Well, thanks for joining us at the Two Guys, One Plant podcast. We are a weekly podcast where we deep dive into different vegetables and plants each week. We tackle the history, nutrition, and medicinal uses. We talk about cooking it and growing it. And my name is Simon Hall and my co-anchor who drinks a lot of whiskey is Timothy Ackerman. Oh, <laughs> hey, mate, how you doing? <laughs> what was that? I was going to do the go up yourself, San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, is, that your favorite li- is that your favorite line from the movie? Uh, yeah, I don't know about my favorite, but it's the, mm. my favorite scene that demonstrates his stupidity. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I guess so. We'll just read anything off the teleprompter. Yeah, well, yeah, okay. Um, my anyway. favorite, I, I, I know we're really going off on a real tangent here, but my favorite teleprompter moment in a, um, in a movie is when Steve Carell as Evan Baxter. In oh, Evan. <laughs> yes. Evan Almighty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we do the cha-cha like a sissy girl. <laughs> anyway. I love uh, it. Good. I like a Duda cha-cha. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's good to be back for another week. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, are, we, are, we, are we going crazy with Corona? Like is, is stage four lockdown sending us insane? Oh my gosh, man. I want it to be over so badly. Mm. It's, I think it's only just this week that it's really starting to impact me mentally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And same with Jamie as well. Like the household is just a bit different yeah and it's funny you mentioned that like i've probably been struggling for the last two weeks i'd say and i was saying to chris today that um where i work my full-time job it's everyone's starting to break oh really uh, yeah and it's like yeah everyone's everyone's struggling Yeah. yeah 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 um well i mean we're almost out of the woods though yeah well they're talking about extending it so let's just see what happens well they may have a mutiny on their hands if yeah. they do extend it. We'll know more on Sunday. Yeah. Mm. Well, regardless of Corona, we're doing figs this week. Fig. Figgity fig. Mm-hmm. Figaro, figaro, figaro. <laughs> yes. What's the, is there a, a movie where the guys figures? Figures something yeah. or other? What's yes. that from? Uh that's not super true. No, it's not. Um, I can't remember. Anyway, uh, mm. yes, fig. We're figuring out tonight. We are today. Whenever you're listening to this, we're going to get figged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're figged up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a good episode. This one, mate. Uh, I, I again, I say it every week. This one just blew me away. <laughs> I'm doing history and. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I do you, well, firstly, do you like figs? Um, I think, yeah. So there's a short and a long answer. The short answer is yes. Okay. Yeah. The, the, long, What's answer, the long answer, the long yes, answer indeed. is they have to be, they have to be ripe. Like, well, or sometimes you get, <laughs> no, no, but 
You get some that aren't okay. quite, they're not quite ready or they're, they're yeah. kind of one side are ripe or the other side, they might be overripe yes. and their flavor's slightly off. So there's times yes. where I'm like, oh man, I love figs. I'm going to eat this fig. And then I take a bite and go, oh my God, that's disgusting. So yeah, okay. I, I do like fig, but you know, you do get the occasional bad one. I guess okay. it's like apple too, where you get like a really soft, gross apple and it's not crisp and crunchy. And I hate soft apples. Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's got that, uh, that uh, powdery. Yes. Powdery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh. Yeah. Apples. Uh, that's the apple a day that takes you to the doctor. Ain't nobody got time for that. No. Uh, well, yeah, like I like figs as well. Have you eaten dry figs? Yes. yes. Do you like dry figs? Yeah, they're okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm not a big dried fruit person, really, at the end of the day, but okay. I don't mind a dried fig. Except yeah. prunes. <laughs> no. I love me some prunes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And no. I am not 65 years old. But yes, you are very regular. I guess I am. <laughs> Some might say too regular. But, uh, we are, that's not what we meant when we deep dive into uh, <laughs> each, <laughs> each episode. Okay, uh, I've gone way off tangent here. Way, way off yeah. tangent. So let's, let's talk about figs. Let's start yeah. off with our weird facts. Then you can go crazy on the history We'll get into the nutrition and the nutrition's kind of short this week, so it's okay. Well, that helps. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then we're going to talk about uh, cooking with mm-hmm. you and growing with me. The growing part's really fascinating. We're going to talk weird facts first, though. And well, do you want to start with, with a fact that you have? And yeah. Then I'm going to get into something a little bit longer. Yeah, cool. I, I'm keeping the facts short because history is... Uh, this is probably the most extensive history that I've done Ooh. since we started the podcast. Wow. Um, and pomegranate was a big one. People, if they haven't heard that, that was, there was a lot to cover. Yeah, There's was. a lot, lot more to cover in this one. Okay. Um, so my one fact, That's and I'm daunting. sure you, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you came across this and you're probably going to talk about it, but I, I could not go past the fact that a fig is an inside out flower. Oh yeah, and it so the actual term is inflorescence is the okay. name that's yep. given to it. Yeah, yep. did you come across that inflorescence? Uh, no, I just I just came across the fact that all of the flowers are on the inside. Yeah, so there's a cluster of flowers that have seeds, and and it's contained inside a bulbous stem, basically. Yeah. So yeah, I I had no idea that that's that was the case. It's basically just turned in on itself, and yeah, yeah, really. I find it weird that it it just grows like that. Yeah. It's, Odd. Like it, it's like it didn't get the memo. <laughs> oh, it was supposed to face out. <laughs> it's like, guys, look what I'm doing. And they're yep. like, ah, oh, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> and it's like, look at that guy. <laughs> no, screw you, man. I am doing it right. And then, yeah. you know, 10,000 years later, it's still going strong, doing its mm-hmm. own thing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it is the, the rebel, the original rebel. Yep. With I'm a gonna, cause, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll put you. I'll, I'll give you a, a new meaning to the original rebel later. So oh yeah, okay. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Are we talking rebel as in Luke Skywalker rebels? Or are we talking rebel? Um, Wilson rebel. Well, no. What's the, <laughs> rebel Wilson? Uh, yeah, cool. Um, no, I was thinking James Dean. Is it James Dean sitting um, on a yeah on the Harley rebel yeah, with, with his, cause yeah, without yeah. a cause? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Okay. 
Uh, Come on, hit us with this this long fact. The please. long fact. Okay, so you mentioned just before that the fruit is actually an inward blooming flower. So it's a bundle of flowers that's on the inside. But the survival of these fig depends on these tiny insects that give it life, basically. Yep. Now, the tiny insects are called fig wasps. Uh, every single, like, of all the species of fig plant, they all have their own little fig wasp. And I, I find this particularly fascinating because, you know, there's over 750 different species of fig. Yes. And each fig yes. has its own species wasp. of wasp specifically <laughs> to pollinate that fig. Yes. Like that is just mind-blowing. It's crazy, right? Yep. And the pairs have kind of been evolving together for all this time. Now, they reckon it's over 60 million years that they've been evolving like this, but... Well, I'm going to do the history, so I'll yes, let I you know. know. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So, in order to pollinate the plant, the female wasp enters this unripe, um, you know, male fig uh, <laughs> and lays her eggs. Now, once the newborns hatch, they <laughs> this kind this bit's kind of messed up. So, all the newborns that are inside the one fig, when they hatch, they all they mate. Get freaky, they get freaky in your fig. <laughs> hey, biggest can't be choosers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the males that are born without wig, like without wings, they chew these little tunnels out out of the figs. Mm-hmm. Those real tiny little tunnels. And to put this in perspective, do you know the size of a... Oh, they're, yeah, I saw. They're, they're really, really small. Yeah. Yeah. 0.1 millimeter. Yeah, it's tiny. Real tiny. So you wouldn't even see it on like these figs. Anyway, so they chew a tunnel out of the fig. They then die. Yep. And the females file out through these little escape routes, the ones that actually make it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they come out through these escape routes into the open world and then they take, take flight and they go and find another fig to, to do the whole process again. Mm. Yeah. So the whole process of when the females actually are inside the plant is they crawl inside, they drop some pollen from their because birth fig. Come, yeah, because they've come from a different fig. That's so right, yeah. Bringing pollen with them. So yeah. they have their birth fig pollen yeah. that they have on themselves as well as their future babies because their brother gave from them some... From the same mother. Yeah, <laughs> their brother from the same mother gave them yeah. some more babies to keep the cycle going. Yeah. And the whole thing starts again, mm-hmm. right? So this is kind of this contentious issue with people who are vegan mm. is that these plants have these uh, like little fig wasps that have this you know, mutual relationship with the figs. Uh, However, uh, I believe that the ones that we have in the supermarkets are common figs and they are actually, I think you just mentioned this before to me, that they're sterile figs. So they don't don't, don't need a wasp to pollinate. Correct. That's right. So there's no wasps inside the common fig that you've got in the supermarket. So there's no need to worry about that. Yeah. But... In the other figs, there are these mummified wasps. Mm. So they're pretty much, you know, the males are pretty much born to mate, then they die. The females, they can crawl out and fly to another uh, fig, lay their eggs. 
you know, they lose their wings as they crawl into. Yeah. So they're pretty uh, much done. Once they, once they arrive at a fig, they're done. That's right. Well, the wings and antennae are stripped. Yeah. So basically you can, she can get in there, she can Mm. do the deed and then she dies. Mm. So it's kind of like this real beautiful, honestly, it's a beautiful relationship that they have that, you know, they, they fly in, they make the, the pollination of the inside flower happen. Mm. Uh, they die and then the other ones come out and they go and pollinate and, and sort the yeah. other figs out. I, I read somewhere and uh, I'm not 100%, so don't um, quote me on it, but I think it's the only um, symbiotic relationship between a, a specific animal and a plant that exists yeah. yeah, I think you're right too. I think I read that somewhere as well. Yeah. And I also read that the females can fly up to 10 or 14 kilometers. To oh, jeez. Yeah. That's they unreal. can travel pretty far to find another fig. Yeah. yeah. I, I also read uh, from this other place that, so once the female fig wasp leave the fig, that's when it ripens. And so it changes color, changes mm. smell, uh, becomes attractive yeah. to seed or fruit. Uh to fruit eating birds and monkeys and lizards. And that's actually how the fig tree gets transported everywhere is that it becomes so good for animals and they love the the smell of it and how it looks and uh, that they eat it and then go and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. somewhere else. Yeah. Which is very similar to what we talked about with avocados. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to talk a little bit about, about that. I'm going to go in a little bit more detail. Who? But uh, not poo. poo. Uh, a little bit, not not a lot, but hmm. yeah, I'll I'll expand on it. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, anyway, there you go. That, I mean, this is so interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I know. There's so much more we could talk about with this as well because, like, I was reading like this, <laughs> this whole, like, the actual like science behind it Mm -hmm. and you know there's these diagrams that have the full relationship and show you exactly what happens because there's two types of things that are happening as well there's mutually mutually and then there's also dio something or other i can't remember what it is but but there's two different types of things that happen and two different types of wasps that that form these relationships it's Mm. it's really just crazy and extremely complex yeah. yeah, it's yeah, and if if uh, I read that if a fig doesn't have its corresponding wasp, um, the fruit just drops to the ground. It doesn't, you know, it just the fig, the tree just drops the fruit. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that's so crazy. Mm. Anyway, there you go. That's my that's my crazy fact that's for the such day. A, <laughs> such a cool fact. Yeah, such I was going to leave it for. Uh, uh, the growing stage, but yep. because most people grow the common fig, mm. it's it's almost yeah, you know, it's not really something that you need to worry about. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's cool. Mm. Have you got any cool facts, or are you going to get straight into history? No, just the the inside out flower that I did before. Yep. Yeah, nice. Mm. It is very much an inside out flower. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. With wasps that, uh, once I read that it was inside out, it kind of made sense to me. Like that they when that you the, look at it. No, when yeah. you look at it, you see what's inside it. You go, yeah, okay, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, it, it's so yeah, it's really fascinating. Mm. Oh, I love it. It's really cool. 
Well, let me fascinate you with some history. I'm really excited about <laughs> this. Because, <laughs> I mean, look, I, I've said this before, but history is my favorite part of these podcasts. Mm-hmm. They, I just love the history behind all of it. It's, it's yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'm not going to just do it. I so I knew nothing about the fig, and then you know we decided to do it, and I started to do the research, and I could spend a lot longer. It just <laughs> there's just so much to know, and it's yeah, it's really good. Yeah, okay. So um, I'm going to tackle this a little bit differently this week. You know, okay. normally we would go. This is kind of where it, it um, is thought to have originated, and this is how it moved around the country, and mm-hmm. um. I'm not really going to do that kind of linear um, timeline. In fact, okay. I barely reference much in the way of um, times through through my my notes. There, there's a few references to different things, but I'm not going to go through. Um, it's just not worth discussing when there's all this other stuff. Yeah, talk about. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a little bit different. And the other thing is, um, I'm going to divert a little bit we are going to talk about the fig that that we eat as humans mm-hmm. but i'm going to talk about the fig you know we talked about over 750 species mm-hmm. i'm going to talk about the fig as a plant as well because it um it's really important uh, it's just you'll see as i started talking about it's important to talk about all of it not just the the fruit that we eat okay yeah because yeah we'll, we'll get there i feel like you're just dangling a carrot in front of my face or a fig whatever yeah mm. <laughs> <laughs> come on yeah. man give it okay. to me i'm gonna get started right so <laughs> you mentioned earlier that there was a reference to about 60 million years yes um so what i looked at is that the fig in various forms have existed um for about 80 million years Oy. um so because of this it not only did the plants survive um like this giant cataclysmic event that wiped out the dinosaurs and many other species. Um, they actually, they actually flourished and, and grew more and spread, mm. spread around the globe. So we're talking, you know, 80 million years ago, spread around the globe. Um, and this is when they started to form all these new species and crossbreeding and, you know, they, and they started to kind of um, eventuate into these 750 different species that we know today. That's so cool. um, and it, it actually became, the most varied group of plants on the planet. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. All right. So like the most varied, is it still the most varied? Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yes. But you know, to have a fig that's got over 750 different species is pretty impressive. Yeah. That's crazy. So if we just kind of bring it back to the edible fig, the edible fig is thought to have been the first plant ever that was cultivated by humans to eat um so you're talking kind of around somewhere between asia minor or somewhere in asia minor which is like between turkey and india or Mm -hmm. the mediterranean to to india somewhere in there um there's an article in in science magazine that stated that nine fossilized figs dating to about 9400 to 9200 bc were found in an early neolithic village called uh, Gilgal One in the Jordan Valley. It's kind of near where the original Jericho was. So I think it was about 14 kilometres from Jericho. Mm-hmm. Um, and the finding of these 
fossils um, pre precedes or predates uh, the domestication of wheat, barley, and legumes. Wow. Um, so it's kind of the first instance of agriculture, and this this is important because the plant that they found was the sterile common fig. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So this is why I wanted to talk about the pollination earlier because oh my gosh, that's it's so actually cool. shown that they were selectively harvesting this sterile fig because there wasn't always the presence of these wasps. Um, so it was found to have been an intentional agricultural choice that they made at 9,400 BC. That's so clever. Yeah, which is like, holy crap. I mean, I find it really... Uh, but is it not true that the human brain really hasn't evolved? Um, I think I've, I've from, heard that. From who we are now, it hasn't. But, mm. you know, if you, I mean, obviously it depends on the school of thought, but evolutionary, you've got, I mean, we're Homo erectus. So I think when we became Homo erectus, it's, that hasn't changed, but we, yes. we've got like our reptilian brain and our hind brain and all that sort of stuff. Yes, so, we've got yes, yes. Little, um, so maybe from that point, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm not 100% up on that yeah i i thought i read that somewhere that the brain you know in terms of functionality yeah we haven't changed since yeah you know humans as we are now have been in existence so you know i I suppose it's just our capacity based on knowledge that has been accumulated in the past it changes we build on accumulated knowledge yeah yeah it's it's funny slightly off topic i was having this conversation with kristen the other day we were talking about hugh and and how he learns and that sort of thing. And she was reading an article and somebody had said, if you, if you constantly give your child, if you, if you kind of do things for them or you, you don't let them figure it out from themselves, mm. this quote said that you, you deprive them of, of you deprive them of being able to learn that flat out. Like you just, you've completely robbed them of the ability to be able to discover that because you just told them and they, they, they'd get no chance to figure it out for themselves. Yeah. And I said to Chris, well, that makes, that makes sense. But if that was the case, we'd still be living in the dark ages because we'd never would have built on, you know, so yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's a fine line, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We've got to kind of keep progressing on the, on, on the information that we've got. But I just find that I know we've gone a little bit off topic here, but I just find it really fascinating that they, you know, were making that conscious decision Mm. to, to go after the figs that didn't need the wasps. I mean, how did they even know about that? Yeah. We just talked about the wasps. They're like, 0.1 millimeter tiny little how did they know about that and they i i can't remember if i i talk about it later but they talk about that um to i guess to for the lack of a better word to pollinate or to make the fig ripen they just put a little like slit in the fig and it ripens so you don't even need the fig uh the wasp yeah that's amazing but well let's keep going because i got a lot to cover yeah sorry yeah so um you were talking before about um you know, animals eating and, and that sort of thing. And uh, it kind of like with avocado and it being, when we talk about avocado, it was the dinosaurs and, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So figs sustain more species of wildlife than any other fruit. Over 1,200 species eat figs, including one-tenth of all the world's birds, nearly all known fruit bats and dozens uh, of species of primates, all dispersing their seeds um, 
you know, through the, through the dropping. Uh, ecologists actually call fig a keystone resource, um, like kind of like the keystone of a bridge. If figs disappeared, everything else would come crashing down. What That's how important the... figs are. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so. Um, if it were... Oh. Wow. Yeah. It, it just is, this just keeps getting more and more interesting, right? Um, and again, you know, I've really tried to cut this down to fit into a podcast, but there's <laughs> so much to cover. Um, so I talked about how I'm going to talk about the edible fig and, you know, the other figs. You've got, it's, I think it's common fig and um, oh, there's a bunch of other names, but um, oh, I can't think of the name off the top of my head. Anyway, um, basically there's no other plant that have had um, such sway over human and human human as a civilization, but our imagination and, you know, just who we are as a people, they feature in every major religion. They have influenced Kings, Queens, scientists, and soldiers um, played a role in human evolution and the dawn of civilization. You know, I talked about 80 million years ago. Mm. So when, when you think about this, these trees have not only witnessed history, they've kind of been part of shaping the history of this planet. Yeah. Um, and it's also thought that these high energy figs may have helped our ancestors to develop bigger brains. So you're talking about the brain development. Yeah. And it's a theory that suggests that our hands actually evolved as tools for assessing which figs are soft, therefore which ones are sweet and rich in energy. So there's a theory that figs are actually part of our, our evolution as humans. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'd love to offer more to this, but I'm just going to sit here and say, that's no, fine. Oh, and you uh, yep. keep going. Cool. Uh, so I'm going to move on to more of the religious side of um, figs. Mm. So Juda- Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, they all agree that figs have been part of the human tale since day one. So in their kind of creation stories, yep. all these, all these three religions um, share that a fig tree was present in the garden of Eden. Um, along with the first people, Adam and Eve. So um, quickly, you know, God gave Adam and Eve all they needed, um, um, but there was one provisor they couldn't eat from the tree. You know, anyone who's read the Bible knows the story of Genesis and um, and what happens there. Um, so they w- they weren't allowed to eat from this tree, which is um, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. So we talked in the pomegranate episode about how pomegranate was thought to have been the forbidden fruit. The forbidden fruit, not the yeah. apple. Yep. Uh, I'm going to talk about slightly how maybe they thought it was the fig. Okay. Um, so it's the other other forbidden fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So in Western Europe, you know, we're told that it's um, the fruit was an apple, but uh, it's thought that maybe this was because at the time, in the Middle Ages, the Bibles were in Latin mm. and... Um, the Latin noun for apple and evil are actually very much the same. Okay. So, which is called malum. Um, and, uh, you know, some Jewish rabbis have actually said that the forbidden fruit was actually a fig. Um, so there's, you know, there's a different school of thought on whether it was an apple or whether yeah. they were actually saying evil and not apple, you know, giving the forbidden fruit as an apple, they're actually just saying evil. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, rather than apple. Oh, uh, I get what you're saying. 
So yeah. it could have been a fig that they're doing, but they were saying evil rather than saying apple. Yeah, and, and the trans was lost in translation because they're they're very similar words. Yeah. I guess it's really tough when you go back that far in terms of what was written down, mm. what was actually you know, yeah, and you and carried we, on in terms of we, you know, we live in a we live in an age of texting, you know, Facebook and yeah. texts and whatever and everything's up and you know, context can get lost, emotion gets lost, you oh. know, the meaning can be construed and absolutely. And yeah. then think about it as people telling a story, mm. you know, to other villages as time progresses through thousands and thousands of years, yeah. that yeah. story is going to change. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, there's it no doubt about to. it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so um, Michelangelo painted a scene on the ceiling in the Sistine Chapel and he actually painted uh, a fig, that tree next to Adam and Eve. So Michelangelo is putting, putting his stamp in saying that there, it was a fig potentially uh also um an image drawn by a spanish monk in the year 9994 um this this image also shows that it was a, a fig that was the tree of knowledge oh wow yeah uh so a little more on the adam and eve story um you know it, it's it said that eve ignored ignored the rule and kind of encouraged Adam to eat the fruit. And then all of a sudden they were aware of their nudity and, and all that other things that go along with it. And their eyes were open and blah, blah, blah. And, and it was at this point, it's actually mentioned in the Bible that they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves up, to cover their modesty. Huh. Um, so it's, it's directly referenced in the Bible that it was fig leaves. Um, uh, so yeah, um, the, I'm going to, quote here the eyes of them both were opened and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons uh, a fig tree had come to the rescue um but you know god banished them from the garden of eden uh etc so um you know right at the start of um i guess i'm referencing christianity here but judaism and even um even islam all have kind of these similar stories at the start of humankind and there's there's actually way too many references in the bible to figs for me to even yeah bother bother um is that the mentioning. first mention of aprons as well <laughs> probably i mean yeah. do you think adam had kissed the cook on it well, <laughs> he had the, the uh, he wasn't wearing any pants and <laughs> kiss the cook i love it they say fake boobies or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's fantastic okay yeah that's adam, a good one adam you're such a prankster that guy <laughs> yeah okay uh now there's uh and i i haven't had time to read this whole poem because it's quite long but there's there's um there's a poem uh called the mahavamsa i hope i did that justice mahavamsa um and it was written about uh 2000 years ago and it um it talks about that there was an important tree um i'm going to kind of reference this story directly uh, an important tree had one of its branches removed on the order of Indian Emperor Ash Ashoka the Great, it was under this very tree. Oh, that, is that Ashoka? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. 
I've seen some Indian restaurants named Ashoka. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. So and I, I always laughed because I was like, are they saying that their food's not quite a right? Ashoka. <laughs> What'd you think? Ah, uh, was it a shocker, <laughs> mate? <laughs> and now now you I never looked it up, but you've just said like this <laughs> the king. And I'm like, oh, that's where Ashoka's yeah, from. It's it's a okay. shocker. Anyway, go that's on. good. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So it was an Indian emperor called Ashoka the Great. Um, and in, in, in this story, it's it's like a <laughs> it's like just clashing together, man. It's like yeah. a shock at the great, <laughs> like uh, no, man. Can you use those two words in the same? I sentence? don't think that the, you know you cancel them out, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's good. It's good. Okay, Sorry. so it was thought that uh, under this very tree, so we've talking about an important tree that had a branch removed for this Indian emperor. It was thought that under this very tree, that Buddha is said to have attained attained enlightenment. Oh! So Ashoka bestowed kingship on the branch and planted it in a thick-rimmed, solid gold vase. He then took the branch over the mountains and down the Ganges River to the Bay of Bengal. There, his daughter carried it aboard a ship and sailed for Sri Lanka to present it to the king. Ashoka loved the plant so much that he actually shed tears as he watched it leave. Oh. So um, that's a story about, and it, it's about a fig, but I'm going to go into, you know, um, Buddha now. Yeah. So Siddhartha Gautama, the spiritual leader and founder of Buddhism, later known as Gautama Buddha, he teaches enlightenment or Bodhi beneath this tree. Um, it is said that under um, he, that he sat under this tree in its shade for six years while he developed his philosophy of the meaning of existence um, so, and then it was termed, the, the, the term was coined Bodhi tree. Um, and it's kind of widely applied to existing trees, um, fig trees, basically. And, um, the, this, the tree that's at the Mahabodhi temple at Bodh Gaya in the Indian state of Bihar is actually thought to be a direct descendant of the original tree that Buddha sat under. Um, and to this day, worshippers still place gifts and flowers at the base of its trunk. Wow, that's so cool. So, yeah, you've got this fig tree that uh, is thought to be the start of Buddhism. The Buddhist Hindus and Jains have actually kind of um, revered this species of fig for more than 2,000 years. Um, the same the same trees actually featured in battle hymns that were sung by the, the Vedic people 3,500 years ago. And then, you know, another one and a half thousand years earlier than that, it kind of, it appeared in myths and art of the Indus Valley civilization as well. So it's really deep history there. You, so, you know, we've covered Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, Hindu and Jainism, yeah. um, which that's, you know, when I referenced that it kind of um, affected a lot of the major religions in the world. Mm. Uh, if we move on to, uh, ancient Egypt, they kind of um, jumped on the, the the fig fairly quickly and they got to um, a, a type of fig that used the wasp. Yep. And, um, and this is where I was talking about uh, they, um, they were trying to grow the tree, but uh, this wasp seemed to be extinct, the specific wasp. Okay. Not extinct, but stink, extinct in their area. Okay. Um, and they were... They were um, struggling uh, but basically what happened was is that uh, they had some 
genius farmers that sort of worked out that they could trick the fruit into ripening its figs and uh, by gashing them with a blade. Mm. Um, and because they figured this out, figs became a mainstay of Egyptian agriculture. They're very, you know, they figured out how to, how to make them grow. Yeah. Um, and it got to the point where farmers actually trained monkeys to climb trees uh, to harvest them. And um, we'll also, we also see pharaohs took dried figs to their graves in order to sustain their souls on the journey into the afterlife. Mm. Um, they also believed uh, the mother goddess Hathor would emerge from a mythic fig tree to welcome them into heaven. So, you know, figs really starts to kind of embed itself into their culture as well. Yeah. Uh, you know is, what I'm, I'm really fascinated by? Uh, sorry to cut you off there, but no, right. we, we talk a lot about um, the pharaohs and mm. you know, the ancient Egyptians that were buried with, yep. you know, a whole range mm. of different fruit and vegetables. Yep. Like we've, we've covered off multiple different things that they've all yeah. been buried with. Pomegranates, uh, figs. Yeah. Uh, they had onion as well and onion yeah and also garlic uh, yes garlic yeah. and there was something else as well i can't remember what it was yeah. but um it must have been like an absolute smorgasbord mm. inside these tombs in terms of the fruit and vegetables and it, i mean it had such a big place in their culture yeah it's it's funny because i've i've been to egypt and i've been in a lot of the the pharaoh's tombs and that sort yeah. of thing and i've been through the um egyptian museum where a lot of the artifacts that were taken out of the the tombs is on display yep. and it just makes you wonder now we're only seeing the physical items like the furniture or yeah. you know whatever was made to, to go in we're not seeing any of the organic matter that went in so you know what what are we not seeing yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really interesting. Mm. Um, so in in the same area, you know, kind of to the north and east of Egypt, um, there are several other civilizations around there that uh, the fig became important to as well. You've, the Sumerian king Urkagina uh, Ur wrote about them nearly 5,000 years ago. King Nebuchadnezzar II um, had them planted in the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. King Solomon of Israel praised them in song. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you've got the ancient Greeks and the Romans who said that figs were heaven sent. Um, and so, you know, good old Pliny the Elder, he had to come in here at some point. He, <laughs> I was he waiting wrote, for him. Yeah, he wrote, figs are restorative and the best food that can be taken by those who are brought low by long sickness. So he kind of starts to talk about how they're going to help you feel a bit better. Yeah. So uh, yeah, interesting how it's kind of weaved its way into all these different civilizations. Yeah, uh, particularly because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but not a lot of what you're talking about is medicinal. Uh, no, I barely cover anything that's medicinal. I think there's a yeah. couple, of, couple of mentions in, in a few things, but yeah, not really. But it's not a really a prevalent thing for a medicinal benefit. It's more that this is uh, a sacred fruit it's like mm. something that's you know that's helped humanity from the beginning day one basically yeah, yeah. but not so much for um medicinal purposes mm. yeah yeah that's right yeah now this next bit um i i found this i found this just i i don't know fascinating mind-blowing all all the good words it was uh it was interesting so 
we're, we're in Asia. Um, and again, you know, cultures have adopted fig trees as symbols of power and places of prayer. You know, we're talking about uh, in India with the, you know, the birthplace of Buddhism and that sort of thing. They feature in folklore and fertility rites. Um, but um, there's a, a fig called the Indian Banyan. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this is a particular species of fig that allows it to grow quite large. Okay. Okay. So the, uh, when I read this, I had to check a lot of different places to find out if this was real or not. So these, these um, Indian banyans can actually grow so big that they resemble a forest. Okay. So the, they grow really big because uh, like a branch will, will stream out and then it'll drop a root down into the ground. Mm-hmm. And the roots that drop down, they actually can grow as big as tree trunks. So what happens is it supports its weight and once the weight's supported, that branch keeps growing and then it drops another one down and it kind of supports itself as it goes out. So it drops down all these kind of, I guess, pillars in a way and it supports itself. That's crazy. I know. Wait, wait for it. Right. So <laughs> um, there is one banyan that is believed to have sprung up where a, a, the, the tale is that a, a woman threw herself onto her husband's burning funeral uh, pyre, which I assume is, you know, they're cremating him in a, a pile yes. or something. Right. And so she threw herself onto this pyre and she died. Um, and that tree that has, that grew from this is thought to have come from um, one of the stakes from this, this pyre, which was yeah. a, a, you know, a piece of a fig. Um, yeah. It's in a place called, um, uh, where is it? Andhra, Andhra Pradesh in India. Yeah. And this this tree is thought that to it, it could shelter at least twenty thousand people under it. What? So I know, I know. It's just like I did the same thing as you. I went like twenty thousand children? I, I I did the same. I went what? And I was like, I'm go- I'm Googling tree, <laughs> trees in India to try and figure it out. So yeah. I, I found I found this tree. It's on you you can look it up for yourself. The tree okay. is the tree is called Thim. The Mamama, the Mamama Mari Manu, the Mamama Mari Manu. Okay. okay. And it's, it's about, it's about 20 kilometers, 25 kilometers from um, Kadri, which is in the Andhra Pradesh and it's canopy. This is in the Guinness book of records. It's yeah. canopy covers 19,107 square meters or 4.721 acres. What? One, one tree. No. <laughs> yeah so th- these trees are um are quite common over there the banyan the banyan fig that yeah. is unbelievable man. and you know some of the pictures are actually you know it's really quite nice so they're you know they were often used for shade and and that sort of thing because they you know they just make these huge big canopies yeah wow that you, is googling it yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that is amazing yeah 4.7 acres for one tree. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah. So Thimamama is the name of the woman that is thought to have jumped on the, the husband's um, wow. cremation. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So um, Alexander the Great, he was sort of the first Europeans that ended up in, in this region. Yeah. Uh, and they were in India in about 326 um, and 
um, that's 326 BC. And they, they kind of, they, they used the shade of these massive banyan trees for the troops. And I read somewhere that, you know, he was able to put 8,000 of his troops under one tree. Man, that is unbelievable. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's, it's just crazy. Right. And so what happened was, is their tales of, um, these trees, uh, got back to, um, the Greek philosopher Theophrastus, who we've spoken about a few times. Yeah. And he's, you know, we've said it before, he's kind of the founder of modern botany and um, he had actually been studying the edible fig. So he, he kind of got word of this other type of fig tree. Um, and it was actually Theophrastus. He, he, he observed these uh, insects that were um, entering or emerging from figs, um, which is, is funny because, uh, you know, 2000, it took, it took nearly 2000 years to pass before scientists realized that, each fig species had its own wasp pollinator. So he kind of observed it, but didn't quite understand what was happening. Um, well, I mean, how do you, these wasps are so small without the right equipment, without, like, how do you determine that they're different species? For yeah, each? exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's probably some genomic analysis that we've been doing and that sort oh, of thing. Yeah, absolutely. There would be subtle DNA differences. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, it is it is a different species for each fig, and um, each each fig wasp species can only lay its eggs in the flowers of its partner fig. So it's it's really crazy, stupid, yeah. stupid. Yeah. Um, so w- we briefly uh, had this conversation on the phone earlier today, and then we we had to stop quickly because I realised that I was giving too much away, but. I was yep. talking about the the strangler fig, and you yes. hadn't you you were not a hundred percent sure what I was talking about. But once yeah. I kind of explained it, you 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 realised you'd seen them before. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, I grew up in North Queensland, um, and I, I'm sure you're going to tell us that figs are more of a tropical type, <laughs> uh, Little type bit. plant. Yeah. Yep. So they're you know they're everywhere up there, and yep. um, they 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 they, they a bird or, or something will drop their drop the seed that they've eaten mm-hmm. and they'll fly along and that'll drop into a tree in a forest. Yeah. And then it, it kind of, it starts to grow and it sort of, it's almost like a parasite in a way, but it, it grows and then it, it, it comes down and it, it grows on the outside of the tree and it drops the roots down into the ground. And, mm. and basically what happens is, is over many, many, many years the it, you know, it starts to thicken and, and really starts to kind of strangle the whatever tree it's around. And a lot of times that tree will die inside it and you'll be left with this kind of weird shaped shell and cocoon. It is hollow and yes, um, it's, yeah, it's really, really quite um, impressive. And uh, these, I mean, these fig trees exist all over the world where they, they do the exact same thing and they, they, um, create this kind of um uh forest canopy and uh just uh, if you haven't seen a strangler fig i recommend that you google one and have a look because some of the yeah. shapes and the, the 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 way they grow and um can be really really interesting to look at yeah well i mean as i mentioned like when we were talking earlier were when I was growing up, we used to frequent this place called Lamington National Park, which is in the Gold Coast hinterland. And 
look, I'm, I'm sure that my parents would have told me that they were fig trees. Mm. And I'm sure that I've read that they were fig trees, but it's never really, you know, when you're younger, it doesn't really yeah. you know, connect the dots and you don't really know what really is going on. But, uh, but we've seen the, the whole place is filled with those trees yep. where they're hollow on the inside mm. and you can crawl into yes. these yep. massive trees. And we're talking about big trunks, like yeah, at huge. least a metre wide, metre and a half wide, where you can get two or three people inside the trunk, mm. these trees, which are actually, you know, just the outside and the yeah. crust of a strangler fig, which is yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. I, I, I have very vivid memories as a child um, where we'd go to the local park and they were always, the local park was basically all fig, you know, fig trees and we'd swing on the vines. So the roots that were yeah. coming down, <laughs> yeah. the ones that hadn't quite hit the ground, well, you'd jump and you'd be swinging backwards. Yeah. And forward. yeah, I had no idea what we were doing back then, but I mean, interesting to think back on now. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I did the same thing. We used to go to a place called Sherwood Park. Mm-hmm. Do you know Sherwood Park near yep. Andrew? Yeah. Yep, yep. And that's full of those trees in there yeah. as well. Massive ones. They're absolutely yep. huge trees. Yeah. They grow They've huge. Got all yeah. the vines everywhere and you can swing and climb mm. the trees. And yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So these strangler figs, uh, two countries actually have the strangler fig on their coat of arms. Oh, wow which I had no idea about. Yeah. So one of those countries is Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, so for Indonesia, it symbolizes uh, unity from diversity, um, diversity, and uh, it's dangling roots representing the many islands that comprom- uh, comprise its nation. Huh. And the other one is Barbados. Um, and it was, uh, it was inspired by the view that greeted um, the Portuguese explorer Pedro Campos. Um, so when his ship reached the island in 1536, he saw all these strangler figs growing along the island's coastline. And um, it was kind of like this massive muddy brown roots that hung from the branches and, you know, like matted strands of hair and that sort of thing. And um, so he named the island uh, Los Barbados, which actually means the bearded one. Nice. Kind of, kind of, kind of That's like your that. kind of place. <laughs> yeah. The bearded one. Mm. Nice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was uh, really, really interesting. And another interesting point about the strangler fig is um, there's a British biologist called Alfred Russell Wallace. And uh, he was exploring uh, some islands and saw the uh, strangler figs. And this is in the Malay archipelago. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he, he started to kind of um, observe these figs and how they overcame their struggle for existence. And this actually inspired him to develop the theory of evolution by natural selection. But this was independently of Charles Darwin. So he had kind of started to form his opinion of, um, of evolution by natural selection as well. Wow. Yeah. So um, really you're really starting to see the gravity of fig and human civilization. How do you, there's too much, man. Mm. I'm 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 very surprised that you have managed to get this so concise. I'm halfway. (laughs) (laughs) All righty then. (laughs) No, it's not so concise. (laughs) Probably a bit over halfway. (laughs) Okay. Um, Figs were actually central 
in other creation stories as well. So we've mm-hmm. got Mithra, which is a Persian deity and the judge of souls. Um, and there's some versions of this story that say he was born out of a rock beneath a sacred fig tree. Um, naked and hungry, Mithra hid himself from the howling wind in the branches of the tree and ate figs for his first meal and made himself garments from fig leaves. So again, a very kind of similar story. Yeah. Well, Hmm. garment, apron, same thing. Yeah. Maybe his was um, arseless chaps. (laughs) Jeez, I don't know. I'm just... Yep. That's what it was. Mankini. <laughs> the first the first mankini yeah. was made of fig leaves. <laughs> nice. So then we've got um another creation story which was thousands of kilometers away in uh the Congo basin in Africa. Mm-hmm. And they actually describe how the first hunter was born from a species of fig tree. Same again, cold and naked, he peeled peeled the tree's bark away and fashion clothing from it to protect himself. So, and this is interesting because um, this made me think about our uh, conversation with Tessa um, in the pineapple episode. And um, bark cloth is actually a a real thing. So there's there's cultures in Africa, Asia, and South America have actually worked out how to turn the bark of local fig trees into malleable material. Um, And this material they could wear or write on and that sort of thing. Um, so interesting people in Uganda actually still produce cloth from the bark of fig trees and the United Nations has actually classified the process they use as a masterpiece of the oral and intangible heritage of humanity. (laughs) That's a mouthful. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So researchers and designers around the world have actually put this material into uses in everything from furniture and fashion even, you know, making boats and cars and aircraft and all that sort of stuff. So figs, figs actually got this whole other dimension to it that we've started using it for. Good Lord. Yeah. That is unbelievable. I know. It's just crazy. Uh, So our closest living relative, the chimpanzee, they um, have also been observed to turn to the fig tree for its curative powers. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's actually kind of they're looking at that link between you know um monkeys and us and saying well the monks are doing it and it's kind of suggesting that 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 something is in common there and there's these researchers that were working in uganda again funnily enough um they actually observed chimps eating unusual food such as the bark and the leaves of wild fig trees Mm -hmm. um so the thought is that these chimps uh were self-medicating um, and the, the, the researchers concluded that tests showed that compounds in the fig leaves and the bark uh, were effective against bacteria, parasite, and tumors. Um, so, it's, you know, the, yeah, the thought there is that the, the, the chimps actually knew what they were doing. They needed to kind of, you know, medicate a little bit. Um, so another origin story is the Kikyu people of Kenya. Um, they have a grove of sacred fig trees at the center of their creation story. Um, so this, uh, story from Indonesia describes how two gods formed the first couple, uh, from a fig tree, uh, carving horizontal slices of wood to create the woman and vertical slice for the man. This myth told, um, by the Kutia Kond people, um, uh, in India says that, uh, the goddess creator Nirantali formed the first human tongue, 
from the ever quivering leaf of the sacred fig. <laughs> another story says that Nirantali provided the first people with the seeds of another fig species to plant. Um, and this, uh, the resulting trees provided shade um, with their thick leaves uh, and fed people with the, the kind of milky latex and, um, and that sort of thing that came out of it. So, you know, you got Kenya, India, and um, uh, another story coming out of India as well. Mm. Um, and I think that is it for my origin stories. <laughs> Which is Excellent. Crazy. So you can see there, like, it's almost all... Well, I'm going to say it's it's basically all of human civilization. No matter which culture it is, yeah, fig is kind of central to their creation story, whatever that story is. That's unreal. Yeah, um, I had no idea. No, I zero idea about this. Yeah, <laughs> because I mean, I mean, we we don't get taught this stuff anymore. You don't. No, 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 not at all. When you do history, they talk about you know the Greeks and the Romans and the Egyptians and whatever, but they don't talk about the the stuff like this that they kind of yeah. embedded itself in our cultural history wow. yeah um so moving slightly away from the creation stories we've also got representation of gods and and spirits and that sort of thing as well um in east africa the maasai people tell stories that say that when the earth and sky became separated so i guess that's kind of a creation story <laughs> Yeah, um, I thought you said you were done with those. Well, it's not really listed as a creation story. It's more about um, gods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was said that when the, the sky and the earth became separated, all that connected them was a sacred fig tree. <laughs> and it was via the trees, you know, aerial roots, these roots that come down, um, that the Maasai god provided cattle to the people. Um, oh, so, my gosh. Man. <laughs> Was Jack and the Beanstalk real figs? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> was that Probably a fig was. tree? Yeah, it totally was a fig tree. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Um, and so then you've got the Akan people of Ghana, um, again, in Africa, but basically the other side of the continent. Um, the first traditional ruler of um, uh, this female ruler, who was also called the Queen Mother, was to create a sacred place by planting a fig tree. Uh, so, um, yeah, it was like, it was her duty. So when she became the queen mother, she had to go and plant a fig tree to create a sacred place. So, you know, kind of wow. central, central there as well. Um, and then, uh, we've got this, uh, religion that originated in Northeastern Brazil called, uh, Candomblé, I think, mm-hmm. um, and this is where slaves were taken from West Africa. They, they, they found trees, um, fig trees that were, um, uh, they, they found sacred and um, kind of made them think of their hometown from where they were separated. And yeah, they kind of um, thought of them as these cosmic trees. Uh, so again, you know, m- more culture and more, more references to figs. Um, we've got Hong Kong, um, they say that uh, fig trees are home to the spirits uh, and two of these trees have become, they, they became famous wishing trees. And uh, for a long time, people would actually throw uh, these oranges into the, into the tree's crowns. And what they would do is write their wish on strips of paper. Mm. And then they kind of attached it to the orange with string and threw it into the tree. And if the branch caught the, the orange and the, the paper, um, the, the, uh, 
their desire would dangle and be blown around in the breeze and would be taken up to heaven. That was the the idea. Wow. And uh, funnily enough, it, relatively recently in in two thousand and five, um, the weight of all these wishes actually caused one of the branches of the tree to break off and actually injured some people. So oh, that. Wow. The, the Hong Kong government had to ban the practice. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine how many oranges were wasted in the... Oh, my and all the rotting oranges hanging out in the tree. Oh, yeah. Really. Yeah. Uh, so back to Indonesia, because I talked about how they were in the... The, the, the strangled fig was the coat of arms. Yeah. The, the Batak people have um, a fig for their world tree. Um and uh, the Batak say their tree grows among the stars and that its roots reach, roots reach down to earth. Uh, mortals can clamber up them to reach heaven. Um, and on the island of Borneo, which is uh, more Malaysian, uh, the Ind- indigenous people there, um, they prohibit the cutting of strangler figs because the spirits dwell among the roots. Wow. Uh, so again, you know, quite spiritual for them. And over in Myanmar, um, and this is, you know, a thousand years before Buddhism became the main religion, people worship spirits called Nats. And uh, it was basically an old man who lived in a fig tree. (laughs) So, you know, they were basically worshiping the fig tree then. And in the Philippines, fig trees have actually said to become home to supernatural beings, such as giant tree demons, goblins, um, half humans and half horse. Tick, tick, balang, balang, balang. Yep. Centaurs. So yeah, so a lot more, lot more spiritual things wow. coming in here. That's um, unreal, man. I'm still, still not finished. Uh, in Japan, in Okinawa, there's folk stories that feature um, these short, kind of red-haired spirits called Kijimuna, um, and they inhabit these fig trees. Um, and in now we're heading south in Timor Leste, which is kind of closer to our region. Yeah. Uh, the sun god Upalivo is said to have settled on a fig tree to impregnate his wife, the Mother Earth. Um, in Papua New Guinea, people consider fig trees to be an abode of crocodile spirits. And, you know, home in Australia, the Aboriginal communities warn of the Yara Mahaya, who is a blood-sucking man-like creature that lives in the figs and preys on unwary travellers. Um and then further to that and other Pacific Island of Guam, um, they have uh, ancestral spirits called uh, Tau Tamonas and they are said to live among the roots of the trees. So they are saying that their ancestors live, live in the roots of the trees. So I think I've pretty much covered the whole globe when it comes to how was, figs are in society. I was just thinking that, like, is there somewhere that they don't grow? I, as far as I could tell, they're um, global. They grow, grow everywhere, which is why I didn't do where they move because they're they're basically everywhere. It's yep. unreal. Yeah, um, there wasn't and really taking fig. Yeah, yeah, it's such a prevalent place in all cultures as well. Yeah, yeah, and so um, I'm I'm almost at the end. I'm going to talk about Greek mythology. So a really quick story from that. Uh, <laughs> uh, the god Apollo. Uh, he sends a crow to collect water from a stream and this crow sees a fig and decides, hey, I'm going to wait for this fig to ripen to eat it. Um, 
but then Smart basically movie. basically the crow realizes or or kind of knows that he's going to be late for apollo and mm-hmm. apollo is going to hate his tardiness and will get punished so he gets a snake from the stream collects the water and then goes back to apollo and presents apollo with the water and says sorry i, I took so long it was this snake that caused me because you know it was um, a snake, basically. Yeah. So uh, Apollo sees through the crow's lies, <laughs> of course, and he throws um, the crow, uh, the goblet, which is the water, and a snake into the sky, where supposedly they made the constellation Hydra, Crater, um, and Corvus. So okay. it's where those constellations came from. So it's an interesting story that uh, relates, kind of relates to the fig. Mm. Um, and then. Uh, just to kind of wind it up a little bit, I want to go back to the strangler fig a little bit and um, talk about the, there is a culture I haven't talked about, the Mayans. <laughs> mm-hmm. But this is not so much woven into their culture, but um, the strangler figs have kind of taken over these empty civilizations. So the Mayan pyramids in Guatemala and the Khmer temples in Angkor Wat in Cambodia um, they have been overrun by these strangler figs. They're, you know, they basically grow through the temples and yeah. overwhelmed all the abandoned buildings and the, you know, they crack through the stonework and basically um, have, yeah, like I said, have taken over. So what's happened is, is they've attracted animals back to the area and then these animals then kind of disperse the seeds and have actually um, dispersed the seeds of other tree species as well so it's actually gone to kind of reclaim these sites and reforest these areas yeah um this same kind of power so basically you know we talk about creation the fig is the central piece to it draws in all the other animals and then you know your diversity starts to happen yeah and this this has been actually observed um where at krakatoa where there was a volcano eruption in 1883 and it um it basically purged the whole island of life. Nothing left. Yeah. Um, it was actually the fig tree that recolonized um, the island. So you would have had a bird fly over and, you know, crap out a, a seed and the, the plant plant grows and kind of starts bringing everything back in again. Wow. And it, it basically encouraged a whole new forest uh, to, to, to grow on this island. So basically scientists are actually looking at, at replicating this, this effect and planting fig trees to accelerate rainforest regeneration where we've lost it due to logging. Um, So it's kind of looking at how the fig tree can provide hope, uh, you know, particularly when we're looking at climate change and how, how we can, you know, help our environment. So how do we now turn around and reuse the fig to help, help us as a civilization now? And mate, that is the history of the fig what a way to end. <laughs> yeah. That was amazing. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, pretty epic, right? I had no I I mean, it just makes sense, doesn't it? Mm. To get the fig tree to re- reforest areas. It brings everyone back together. It brings all yep. the nature back in. Yeah. Yeah. That is just fascinating. Mm. Let's talk nutrition of the figs. Nice. After that amazing history, 
we're just going to talk about them as we usually do. We're going to go nutrition first, and then we're going to jump straight into why they're good for you. So interestingly, though, we're going to compare fresh figs to dried figs. Oh, cool. Yep. Yeah, because there is a difference. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's start off with one small fig. So a small fig is about 40 grams. And inside the 40 grams, you're looking at, it's about 30 calories, all right? Um, basically all made up of carbohydrates. Mm. Uh, there's very little to no protein, little to no fat. You know, we're talking about 0.1 grams of fat, 0.3 grams of protein. It's virtually nothing. Uh, it has a good dose of vitamin A, it's got some vitamin K, about 2% of your daily intake of vitamin K, uh, about 2% of your intake for thiamine. Uh, it's got some riboflavin. It's got niacin in there. It's got B6. It's got folate. There's uh, panthothenic acid in there as well. Uh, it's got about 1% of your calcium intake for the day. It's got 1% of your iron intake. It's got 2% in magnesium. You know, 1% of phosphorus, 3% of your daily intake of potassium. It's got manganese, about 3% of your daily intake for manganese. And this is all from one small fig. So it's got a pretty broad range of kind of vitamins and minerals, but nothing like that is crazily no. high, high levels, but just a Absolutely. really good kind of broad dose. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, there's vitamin C in there as well. There's, you know, vitamin uh, K, oh, I said yeah. vitamin K, but, yeah. you know, so there's, there's a whole range of different vitamins yeah. and minerals inside it. In terms of a dried fig, mm. so I said before, so one fresh fig is about 30 calories, yeah. 40 grams. One dried fig is about eight grams. Mm-hmm. And 20 calories. Yeah, because all the water's dried out and it's just sugar and yeah, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so interestingly, though, it's still got 2% of your vitamin K, so that doesn't really diminish. Mm-hmm. As you would imagine, any water-soluble yeah, so vitamin vitamins, C or whatever. And, yeah, yeah. It's, it's non-existent. Vitamin A is non-existent as well. Uh, it does keep all the minerals, though. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't, it doesn't affect it too much in terms of minerals. But what I really wanted to look at is comparing them for like for like. Yep. So 100 grams of fresh figs mm-hmm. compared to 100 grams of dried figs. And what does that look like? Yep. Yeah. Cool. So in terms of calories, 100 grams of dried figs is about 249 calories, whereas 100 grams of fresh figs is about 74 calories. Mm. Yep. So big difference there. Mm. Uh, whereas vitamin K, uh, you know, you've got about 19% of your daily intake in the dried and only 6% in the fresh. Right. Uh, and it, it goes very similar like this because I suppose the biggest takeout from this, so when we talk about dried figs for calcium, there's you know 162 milligrams, which is 16% of your daily intake, whereas the fresh ones... You know, in 100 grams of fresh figs, there's only 35 milligrams of calcium and and 4% of your daily intake. Yeah, but dried ones are just more concentrated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So 
the biggest thing that I took from this is pretty much they retain their nutrition from a mineral perspective mm. when they're dried, but the problem is that they're less filling when they're yep. dried. Mm. Uh, so the calories kind of add up yep. you know, if you're eating dried figs versus fresh figs. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, uh, <clears throat> you eat two dried figs and you're going to want more. You mm-hmm. eat two fresh figs and you're done. You probably had enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so we're going to get into some other things that they're, they've been known to be good for. All right. Cool. So uh, there are some suggestions that they can present, prevent uh, cell damage. So although the figs are really high in sugar, they have a lot of antioxidants, which we, which we spoke about. Um, so there's phytochemical compounds, uh, the phenolic acid and flavonoids that are in fresh and dried figs. Um, and, you know, these antioxidant capacity of figs is really correlated with the amount of phenolic, phenol, phenolic. phenolic man, <clears throat> pardon me phenolic compounds you know and studies have actually shown that the darker figs have uh, higher amounts of the phenolic compounds than the lighter ones mm. um and it doesn't we know, surprise me actually yeah the, with the, getting the color and yeah yeah definitely mm. and you know we know that uh antioxidants can kind of help in minimizing cell damage caused by free radicals we know that uh, and we, we've spoken about free radicals a lot so we don't really need to talk about, you know, that oxidative stress that they actually cause. It also has been shown to, you know, that it can reduce the risk for chronic diseases as well. So, I mean, this ties back in with the antioxidants that we're speaking about. You know, we know that free radicals lead to, you know, these chronic diseases, including cardiovascular, diabetes, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, um, eye diseases, macular degeneration, all of that sort of thing. And the antioxidants inside the fruits kind of helps to minimize that free radical damage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the same with uh, cancer prevention as well. So there's been a few studies for the antioxidant benefits of figs. Um, there was one research project that identified the, the antioxidant compounds in fig extracts. Um, may provide some benefit in the fight against cancer. So it was a preliminary, uh, <clears throat> it was a preliminary in vitro study that found that fig extracts actually showed strong antioxidant and anti-cancer activities when exposed to breast cancer cells. So you know they're trying to look at the relationship between breast cancer and figs. Uh, it can also help with managing your blood sugar levels. So there was a study from 1998 uh, where 10 people with type 1 diabetes found that having fig leaf tea, so not so much uh, figs directly, but fig leaf tea uh, with breakfast can had the ability to decrease their insulin needs um, so in the month that they received the fig leaf tea, uh, they reduced their insulin by about 12%. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's quite quite substantial too, right? Yeah, 12%, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, there was also another recent study that found that 
you know, drinks containing high doses of fig fruit extract actually had a lower glycemic index than beverages without the fig fruit extract. Mm, okay. So they had a more favorable effect on your blood sugar levels as well. Yep. Which is pretty cool. Um, it can also aid with IBS symptom management. Oh, yeah. So uh, IBS is irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, it's a digestive disorder. So, uh, you know, sometimes those with this condition um, are diagnosed with a variation known as IBS-C or irritable bowel syndrome with predominant constipation. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to get too deep into it, but we're deep. <laughs> so there was a large randomized control study that found that uh, consumption of uh, fig for four months could be useful therapy for alleviating IBS-C symptoms uh, and can be a beneficial option for a first-line treatment. Yeah, that's yeah. very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it can also aid in constipation relief. So, yep. I mean, that kind of uh, goes sense. on with the yep. IBS thing that we talked about with predominant yep. constipation. Um, so it's because of their fiber content and the yeah. fibers laxative effects. Uh, so they usually use dry figs in this particular instance. So, um, and I actually found this really uh, interesting little sidebar here. So, um, the National Institute of Aging in America recommends that consuming foods such as dried fruits, uh, uh, apricots, prunes, figs, you know, it helps you increase your fiber intake for constipation relief. Now, it's the high levels of oxalates mm -hmm. uh, that give figs these effects and, and it's the same with the other dried fruits. So, um, if you eat excessive amounts of dried figs, they can have this laxative effect. Yeah. So just have it in moderation. But so I wanted to sidebar into oxalates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, I was looking at this thing and they were saying that oxalates can sometimes be problematic, but it only is problematic when they overaccumulate inside your body. Okay. So, and the key site for problems with overaccumulation is actually your kidneys. Yep. And so it's basically if the concentration of oxalates in your urine becomes too high, simultaneously with an overly high concentration of calcium, our kidneys are risk, you know, at risk of calcium oxalate kidney stone kidney formation. Stones. Yeah. Okay. Yep. yep. And that's due to the supersaturation of your urine with the calcium oxalate salts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I think worldwide they were saying that there's about five to 15% of all persons are estimated to develop some form of kidney stones. Wow. Um, with, yeah. With calcium oxalate stones. So calcium oxalate stones account for 80% of all stones formed. Wow. So we're talking about 5 to 15% of all people in the world, global mm -hmm. population. So yep. that's close to what, almost 900 million people, I would say. If we're saying, you know, midway through the 5 to 15%. How many percent are you saying? Well, I'd say like 7.5%. 
if we're going midway or about 10%. So the 10%. Oh, well, seven and a half percent, seven hundred, uh, seven and a half percent, 525 million. Yeah. Okay. So if we go midway, it's about 10%, 10% of the population in the world's about 700 million. Seven, is that about right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Give or take. And then 80% of those, uh, uh, made from the calcium oxalate. Wow. Yeah. So don't eat too many figs. Yeah. That's or what dried fruit. Yeah. yeah, correct. That's right. Um, so let's talk about allergies though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, there are some limited reports of a fig allergy. So in, there was a report published in 2003 that, uh, noted that an allergy to fig followed by respiratory symptoms can present in people with allergies to weeping fig plants or who have the latex fruit syndrome. Okay. Yeah. And they were saying as well that like, if you've got an allergy to jackfruit, yep. then you're most likely going to have a reaction to fig as well. Wow. Are they, is it cause they're closely related or, uh, I don't believe so. Okay. It was all part of this study that they yep. that they were doing. But anyway, um, let's talk adverse effects as well. Um, mm. So some people can complain of burning sensation or sore tongue after eating many figs. Uh, and that reaction is actually due to a molecule in the fig called ficin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a pro uh, proteolic enzyme that breaks down proteins and it causes your, the skin and tongue to itch or burn from exposure. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Now to avoid fig burn, you should spoon the inside of the fig out and eat it separately from the skin where most of the fissin is contained. Mm. And the yeah. less ripe the fig, the less likely that fissin is going to be present. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's some, that's some good advice right there. That's exactly right. Mm. You know, if you want to increase your oxalates uh, inside your body, uh, <laughs> then <laughs> scoop out the inside of those dried figs. Yep. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, and that is pretty much in the nutrition of figs. Very not, cool. Yeah, not too crazy, but... Um, maybe not, not necessarily like crazy, you know, mind-blowing crazy, but interesting the the broad range of things that are in it so it's mm. you know it's, it's as a general term it's it's probably quite good for us yeah absolutely yeah i mean it's not as dense with nutrients as something like cauliflower yeah but it's still got you know a wide range of vitamins and minerals mm. lots of antioxidants and phytochemicals so yeah. You know, and that phenolic acid and pantothenic yeah. acid is always really good for for what's going on inside the body as well. So, mm. let's talk cooking. Mm. You've got Have cooking you, this week. I love it. I do. I do. I do. Have you cooked much with fig at all? Or mm-hmm. I you have. have. Yeah. yeah, I love cooking with fig. Oh, there you go. You should have done cooking. Nice. No, <laughs> <laughs> I actually have never, never cooked with fig. Um, Ever? No. Not, not me personally. I've never oh cooked gosh. a dish using figs. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I've, I've eaten plenty of figs and that sort of thing, but 
Yeah. Do you know once one of my first experiences with cooking with fig um, was a recipe that was calling for figs to be in like, you know, fresh figs in this thing. And the only thing I could find was dried figs. And mm. I thought that you could just sub those in and they'd be mm. fine. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> it's just completely different. Yeah. <laughs> I'm bold. Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, pro, pro tip right there. Don't substitute. <laughs> no, you cannot substitute dried. It's exactly the same as if you tried to substitute dried apricots for fresh apricots. Yeah. It doesn't just, work. All right. It's just it just doesn't same. work. Not the same. Nah. But no. I mean, I, I, I did a bit of research on figs and I kind of knew this as well. Even though I haven't cooked with it, I, I know... I know what you can do in a roundabouts kind of way, but mm. it's kind of, it's one of those, it's one of those ingredients that um, you can use it for breakfast, lunch, dinner, a dessert, a snack. Like mm-hmm. you've got jams and chutneys and, you know, there's, there's just this huge range of different things that you can do with it from, yeah. apart from just eating it raw, whether it's raw or dried or whatever. But um, I came across this really nice, uh, recipe was uh, oven roasted figs that kind of had this um, sugar, cinnamon, and rosemary kind of glaze on them as well. Oof. They looked, they looked so good. Um, <laughs> and there's heaps of recipes with you know fig on pizzas and that sort yep. of thing. And then you've got your classic kind of like your um, your bread where you've got dried fruit in the bread, so you can put a bit of fig and bake it in, bake it into some fresh bread. Oh, you mean bake the fig into the bread? Yeah. So when you cut it, you've got little bits of the fig all through the bread. Oh, yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that, you know. Um, oh, before you keep going, we should probably yeah. say the recipes that Tim is talking about are all going to be inside a a recipe list that we put together each week. So Yeah. We're going to put it up on Messy yeah. Veggies. and Yeah. yeah. So anything you hear, if you like the sound of it and love the way Tim describes it and makes yeah. it enough water, yeah. you'll be able to get the recipe. We're going to make sure that you have these at your fingertips. Yeah, and if you, you're like me, I, I kind of use these podcasts as a inspiration. Mm. So I start to think, okay, well, how can I add this into what, you know, what can I cook and what yeah. haven't I cooked? cooked and how can i learn how to cook with it and that sort of thing yeah so well you haven't cooked anything with figs mate no i'm definitely gonna um <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm gonna try the oven roasted figs because yeah. they they sounded amazing yeah um i came across this uh cake which was spiced fig coffee and hazelnut oh god <laughs> damn yeah now you're talking my language yeah it was a good one and uh, uh, <laughs> there was a, a pie as well which is fig raspberry and cardamom um so that oh. pie looked just just amazing as well i've got to say just from the couple of things that you've spoken about it seems like it goes with like a variety of spices yeah i've got um i'm going to do a bit of food pairing at the end Mm. um it's probably not the most exhaustive list but yeah there's you can definitely pair it with some spice so i think in my research the big takeaway was um it's really good to pair fig with something salty or savory and they really kind of complement each other yeah okay um, well, they've got those I, beautiful natural sugars, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I came across this fig coolie, Um, and it's basically oh. just just figs, some salt, some olive oil, and some pepper, and you just blend it up, and you've got this fig coolie. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it's really simple. Um, I think it just fig, salt, olive oil, and pepper sounds delicious straight away. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and then your basic kind of like salads and that sort of thing, you can just throw some fresh figs in and, and, you know, I've eaten plenty of salads that have, have fig in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, it's very prevalent in Middle Eastern food. Yes. Yeah. I, when I think fig, I think Middle Eastern, Egyptian, mm. you know, all through that area, Mediterranean, yeah. it's quite prevalent in the food of mm. the region. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's things like fig brownie and that sort of thing. So you, you can kind of sub in fig where there's dried fruit or, you know, something like that. But a fig brownie, I've never had one, but fig it sounds brownie. amazing. It does um, sound good. Yeah. Now, this this last thing I think is really going to appeal to you because it appealed to me. <laughs> but, uh, and, you know, I know you. <laughs> is it figs and corn chips? <laughs> uh, no, not quite. This is This is a drink. Oh, okay. Yeah. A fig old fashioned. Oh damn! Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm it's down. it's fig, bourbon, orange, balsamic vinegar, and maple syrup. Oh damn! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, once lockdowns out, mate, we you and I are going to have a fig old fashioned. I think I That's... might put some I might put some cinnamon in there as well. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah. I've. I mean, I, I saw that and I was like, oh, why didn't I, why when I never thought of this? Yeah. Uh, forgot me. For me, yeah. For me, fig is one of those things where I was reading all these recipes and I'm like, oh, of course. Oh, why didn't I think of that? Yes. Yeah. That yeah. It's like, do you find it really strange that you've never cooked with fig yet it, it's basically formed humanity? Uh, I I find it extremely odd that I knew nothing about it at all, yeah. and it's it's. I mean, are you excited to are you excited to cook with it? I'm excited to just everything cook with it, think about it, <laughs> eat it. Like, yes, okay. You know what I mean, like, because after this, I'm excited to cook with it. Yeah, I want to get it, and and I yeah. want to make fig brownies. Figs have always been one of those things where, you know, like we'll, we'll be at the green grocery or something and Chris will go, oh, should we get some figs? And we're like, well, yeah, maybe, maybe not. It's like, mm. you know, it's like you just, it well, almost when you feels like a. Them, it's almost like it's a piece of fruit that you're supposed to eat, like an apple. Yeah. When you yeah. look at it. And, and if you don't know recipes and you don't explore it specifically, it's not really something that you come across. Because yeah. it, I don't, I don't know, it just feels like figures uh, is the core of a recipe. Mm. So if you're not looking for fig, you, it's kind of, it doesn't really, you don't really come across it that, that often, I guess. Yep. Yep. Definitely. You, you've got to go looking for it. Yeah. Recipes, yeah. Yeah. All right. But I'd that, encourage everyone to just pick up, pick just, up some figs. Just, yeah. And just like do one thing with them rather than just eating it. Just, just do one thing different. Yeah. Try something. So I've got a little tip here that I, I came across that, you know, I mentioned earlier, we were talking about eating figs and, you know, for me, it's got to be like, it's almost got to be the perfect fig for me to mm-hmm. really want to mm-hmm. just eat it raw. So yeah. if, if you come across figs that um, aren't quite as sweet as you'd like, um, there's something you can do, not necessarily to just eat them raw, but you, so basically um, you cook them in this sweet syrup and it, mm-hmm. it um, it's 
almost a preserve like type thing. And basically what it does is it makes it good to add to things like pancakes, waffles, sandwiches, or even like you could even just pair it on a platter with some crackers or whatever. But basically you just simmer some sugar, some cinnamon and any other kind of spices that you think you want to um, put in there, add the figs, cook it for about five minutes. And then um, you basically, you, you can add some cardamom and peppercorns or whatever. And you've kind of got this like kind of preservy figgy syrupy type substance that you can pretty much do whatever you want. You can drizzle it over pancakes or whatever. Yeah. Oh my God. Hmm. Why? I'm like sitting here going, why don't, <laughs> why don't we buy figs all the time? Uh, look, if you're not buying them in season, they can be pretty expensive. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of got to wait love, for the right season. Yeah, but I just love that, man. I could just imagine that on pancakes. Just that would be so good. Yeah, I, when I read that, I was like, yeah, that would be a replacement for maple syrup straight away. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, man. All right, carry on. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I want so, to go to the shop. If it wasn't like <laughs> past 8 p.m. when we're recording this, yeah. <laughs> I would be at the shops right now buying figs. Oh, yeah, I know. It's crazy. Gosh. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to just quickly talk about some food pairings. Now, the food pairings I looked up, there's a lot of uh, like animal-based food pairings and I've yeah. um, removed all them from the list. So we're just going to talk about um, plant-based food pairing. Cool. Um, so on the sweet side, uh, you've got really good pairing with um, pear, funnily enough, um, wow. peach and raspberry and uh, caramel. So um, they all go really well together. Nice. On the savory side, you've got, the, and I mentioned it, some the balsamic vinegar, um, mm. but really kind of like those salty, salty, savory type um, flavors you go really well together and mm. then on the on the spice side you've got cinnamon cardamom pepper rosemary and vanilla are all really good pairing that's not to say nothing else pairs but they're kind of your your mainstay pairing yeah um and then you've got some nuts so walnut hazelnut almond pistachio and pine nut um so yeah you add some of those nutty flavors i've definitely had plenty of uh, like fig and pistachio and that sort of thing they've yeah. uh, a really common pairing um, but then you've also got things like, um, it pairs really well with red wine, um, you know, a sherry vinegar, that sort of thing as well. So yeah. you've got, got those kind of, kind of deep, rich flavors, um, in there too. So yeah, uh, some really, really interesting things to think about when it comes to fig and how to use them, but, um, that that's cooking with figs. I love it, man. That was so good. Yeah. I think another common place, and I know that we're just talking plant based and not to say that you can't get plant-based cheese but feta and fig yeah. is like the thing yeah there was heaps of soft cheese and that sort of thing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so i mean if you if you want to go plant-based there's heaps of good plant-based fetters out there yeah uh like it's, there's tons of them uh and they that would be like that would be just i i just see myself with like a balsamic reduction fig like drizzling the balsamic onto a fig with a big thing of like feta on the top of it and just yeah i was thinking like a um like a pizza with you know the fig and the the, uh, the feta and the you know just oh my god yeah yeah i actually i think i've had a pizza before before i uh you know ditch meat from my diet 
uh, with prosciutto. Yes. Figs. So it's pretty, pretty um, common pairing for yeah. fig and prosciutto or fig and bacon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Bec- I think it's because it's so salty. Yeah. It's that savory, salty. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, you just get that, get that go salty in your mind and then start yeah. to think about what you can pair fig with. Yeah. Mm, yeah nice. Yeah. Well, I actually make fake bacon with uh, tofu. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. You've sent me, sent me yeah, pictures. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to, I might do a bit of that with, mm. uh, with fig. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. I'm done. Tell, teach I'm us done how to sal- salivating. Teach us how to grow it. Yeah, I will. This is the way you grow the non wasp trees. <laughs> Get a bird, wait for it to shit <laughs> in your backyard. Uh, you know, and you may not be waiting that long. <laughs> yep. Just hope that there are fig trees around you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about a couple of different things first. So we're going to talk about the soil first. Mm-hmm. Um, so fig trees pretty much grow in any soil. Yeah. So that's amazing. Uh you know, they, they talk about, you know, enriching the soil with some compost or manure or something like that just to make sure it's strong and healthy, but it'll grow anyway. It just needs to be pretty well drained. That's all for best results. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of planting, uh, you don't need a large grow, uh, garden to grow figs. They grow in small spaces. They grow in pots. They grow in contained garden beds. Uh, so, um you know, it restricts the spread of the roots, um, yeah. which most plants don't really like, but it also encourages fig trees to be more fruitful as well as limiting their, their size. Yeah, okay. So, so it kind of focuses more on the top part than growing because they have quite extensive root systems. Yeah. yeah. So uh, fig trees, small fig trees reach about six metres high yep. uh, and their spread is about five to six metres as well. Yeah. These yeah. big, the ultra big canopies and yeah. 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 I mean, some fig trees can actually be trained to grow horizontally. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Which is pretty uh, cool. Uh, I'll, I'm just going to interrupt you. I just thought uh, um, there's a time when I first moved to Wangaratta, I was house sitting um, on this property that was on 40 acres. Yeah. Um, just off to the side of the house, they had a massive vegetable garden with heaps of different vegetables and, and then behind it was the biggest fig tree. And I remember I was house sitting at the time when it fruited and there was fresh figs and and I was eating figs straight off the tree. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, Nice. So I think the biggest part that I should say right now though, is if you want your fig to survive, uh, like so that you can eat figs, you need to use netting. Yeah. 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 Love it. Yeah. So, I mean, we spoke about mm. it's basically the source of everything for, you know, for yeah. birds and wildlife. wildlife. What does, yeah. 12, 1,200 different species. Yeah, like 10% yeah. of the world's population of, isn't that what you said? 10% of the world's population of like yeah, I'm just um, trying to find animals. Um, Unbelievable. It's so many. Yeah, so 1,200 species, one-tenth of all the world's birds, basically. Yeah. All known fruit bats, um, yeah. plus primates and other things as well. Yeah, And we get bats all over the place in Australia. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, make sure you net your, net your trees, otherwise you're not going to have anything left. Yeah. Okay, so 
you need to make sure that the young plants are watered really well, especially on hot days. Um, uh, I read that there's a general rule for about two to four centimetres of water per week, uh, whether that's from rainfall or from you watering it. Um, so you want to have a look and if you notice that the leaves of your fig tree are turning yellow and drooping, it's from overwatering. Mm. Yeah. It's funny you mention that cause we've got a, a plant in the house, not, not a fig, but another plant. And one of the, ooh, one of the leaves turned yellow and we we're looking up why it went yellow and yeah. Overwatering. overwatering. So, yeah. Crazy that, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Good to know though. Yeah. Uh, so feeding. So it's pretty, I mean, you don't really do have to do much to care for your fig trees. It's very little work. Um, you can chuck down some slow release fertilizer just to make sure it's all going really well. Um, or a high potassium uh, fertilizer will help with the fruit production as well. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about picking. So if you want juicy and sweet figs, now this is in Australia, the best time to uh, pick your your figs are in late summer. Yep. So that's uh, what's that? March, January, and February. Yeah. Feb. Yeah. yeah. Feb. Feb. March kind of area. Well, Feb. Feb's the end of summer. Yep. Yeah. Late summer. Feb. Yeah. Well, March Isn't is it? March is not summer. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> okay. So just February. All right. Um, you let them ripen on the tree just as you do other fruits. Um, figs will not continue to ripen after they're picked. Okay. Uh, so you can tell when it's time to pick a fig um, as the fruit neck actually wilts and the figs hang down. Mm. And they, So uh, essentially, you know, the figs kind of grow sideways. Yep from the branch yeah, they grow out and then they yeah 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 and as soon as they're ready they kind of droop down uh they change color when they're ripe as well they change from the green to the dark brown so that's a really good indicator that you know mm. you're ready to go um so uh they say here as well to wear gloves when you're harvesting because the sap in the stems can be a skin irritant yeah so it's like a it's like a latex and people can yeah, well, that's to it. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It's it's basically a latex fruit, which is why some people have the allergies to it, which is yeah. what I mentioned before in terms for, of allergies. For those that don't know, latex is a tree sap, but it's the basis of what we use for rubber. Yes. Mm. Tim knows all about that, don't you? Mate? Yeah, well, I work in the rubber industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so in terms of harvesting, you can start harvesting your figs about two to three years after you plant. Um, and most varieties produce two crops per year. Yeah, okay. So that's pretty cool. Two cycles, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, let's talk pruning. Mm. Yeah. Not uh, figging. Not figging. No, that's <laughs> correct. <laughs> um, so you want to cut down all the dead branches. Um, if the center part of the tree looks like it's a bit congested, then you can remove some of those uh, branches in the middle. Yeah. Um, you essentially, uh, you can give it more of a pruning by removing half the length of each branch. So that kind of encourages it to grow more. So new growth. Yep. Uh, very similar to what you did with your plum trees. 
Yes. Yep. So just cutting it right back and you know, making sure that, you know, it's really promoting fresh growth after. Mm. Which, um, by the way, update, um, they are doing really well at the moment. Yeah, well done, man. Yeah, they've started to bud and flower and, yeah, it's cool. Awesome. I love it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about propagating now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Go get some wasps and... No, no, no. Do you, do you know what propagating <laughs> no, is? No, I'm just trying to work the wasps in there somehow. Okay, yeah. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> propagating is basically growing another plant from a cutting from a, of from a the cutting, other yeah. plant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So figs can be easily grown from cuttings. Mm. Now, I mean, that should be just common knowledge to anyone who's listening to the podcast because you're talking about a shocker Sending, yeah. you know, a cutting of cutting. the tree over yeah. to Sri, Sri Lanka. Lanka. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's just kind of, you know, self-explanatory that you can mm. definitely cut it from a, a cutting. Um, one of the problems that you need to look out for in terms of figs is this thing called fig rust. Um, uh, it can also be prevalent with leaf blight and uh, mosaic virus and in endosepsis. Okay. So they're the main diseases that you can see in um, fig trees. Uh, they also, you know, the, you've got fruit fly issues and mm. aphids and that sort of stuff uh, when it comes to fig trees. But there are, I mean, you can, you can plant, um, you know, your flowers next to it to encourage... Uh, lady beetles or ladybugs to get rid of your aphids and yeah we've we've covered lots of lots of plants that you know are natural deterrents for aphids and that sort of thing absolutely so there's a few different uh types that you should try yeah yeah so there's the black genoa Mm -hmm. which uh apparently has an excellent flavor it's large conical greenish purple skin um it's a really heavy cropper, two crops a year, and um, it spreads really well as well, and it's self-pollinating. Um, they usually use the black genoa for fresh fruit, uh, drying, and jam. Okay. So if you're into that sort of it's thing. Probably got a high sugar content, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the brown turkey is very similar, large conical brown skin. It's got a pink sweet flesh on the inside. Mm. Again, it's a really good grower. It's very productive and hardy uh, and it's good for your uh, fresh fruit drying and jam as well. And that's self-pollinating as well. Um, there's the white Adriatic, um, which is another fig variety. Uh, this one only produces one crop per year, um, but it's really good for drying and also really good fresh. Um, again, self-pollinating. There's also the white genoa. Again, uh, it's a bit more suited to cooler climates. So if you're wanting to plant in a cooler climate, then the white genoa might be a better option for you. Uh, it's a bit more mild flavored in terms of the flesh as well. Um, and it's lighter cropper than the other varieties that we mm. just mentioned as well. Again, really good for fresh fruit drying and jam. And again, it's self-pollinating as well. Cool. Um, so that's pretty much how you grow figs. Excellent. Yeah. I feel like it's a good, it'd be a really good addition to your garden. 
Yeah, I'm sitting here trying to figure out how I can fit it into my garden. Mm. Yeah. So, um, you know, really good croppers, mm. you know, and I've seen some fig trees before that produce a lot of fruit. Yeah. Um, and particularly when we're talking about the cost of figs, because mm. they're not a cheap fruit. But, you know, if you had a fig tree, you could generate a whole bunch of figs from it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to worry about the wasps being inside it or the wasps being there because, you know, all these figs that we're talking about in the later section of this growing thing is all self-pollinating, you know, sterile figs. It's fine. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I I wish I had a big yard now. Yeah. Well, maybe you could... Plant it in the front yard, mate. Yeah, yeah, probably could. Yeah, beautiful big fig tree out the front, man. Oh, could you imagine? I could replace that that big tree in the front yard and yeah, big fig. Yeah. That would look so cool out there That'd as be well. Pretty, be yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Big net that you could throw off your balcony and throw <laughs> it over the top of it. Big fish net. Yeah, get rid of the. Make sure the birds don't come in and take it. Mm. Mate, that that's an issue. <laughs> that is an issue that we had with the mango tree back in yeah. in Brisbane. You know, the the birds had come in and just smash the mangoes. But yeah, it's funny. I actually I looked out the front window the other day, and there was um, there was about I don't know thirty or forty white cockatoos, and they were. <laughs> Some of them were on our yard and some of them were on across the road in the neighbor's yard and they were just yeah. kind of walking around, you know, nibbling at the grass and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I grabbed Hugh and we were standing at the window looking at them and then I kind of just slowly walked out the front door and mm-hmm. took a couple of real ginger steps down onto the driveway and we got down pretty close to him. He was so fascinated by these birds and they were kind of, mm. they were walking around and nibbling at the grass and then they were kind of wrestling with each other. And, oh man, that's and so then, cool. And then I moved too close and they all flew away and they all just up into the air and flew off and Hugh's like, oh my God, what's going on? <laughs> that's yeah. so cool. We got heaps of cockatoos around here. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. Mm. I just, um, you know, the wonder that is witnessing that for the first time for children. His eyes were just like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. And they were squawking. And when one, one kind of jumped at another one and they squawked, they did that big loud squawk and he jumped and he was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I, I really love that. Cause I, I feel like sometimes it's a really good reminder to us having witnessed it so many times of just how, amazing it is yeah yeah and how fascinating nature is i feel like i'm reliving this stuff with him that you know exactly what you say so i'm finding i'm finding those moments now where Mm. i think if i didn't have hugh i would have looked out the window and gone oh yeah cockatoos and then like you're doing it except now i've looked at him and i've gone oh my where's you where's you i gotta get yeah, he's got to see this you know so yeah, yeah. i'm starting to kind of yeah reconnect with all of those moments yeah yeah that's really cool mm. i mean not nature related but we went through a car wash today oh that's same like and henley bloody loved it i bet he did he's probably like oh my god yeah he was fascinated by all the the, the round yep. things slapping against the windows and he was loving it anyway. that's cool that's so good um all right well another week down mate yeah figs wow 
fascinating episode. I really enjoyed that. Uh, a long one, but you know, yeah, was- lot, lot, lot to cover and not a lot to take in, but um, mm. just a really fascinating plant. Just, I oh mean, yeah, it. I mean, at the end of the day, it's 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 pivotal to human civilization. My take on it is that it's kind of pivotal to our environment as well. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I just think that they're wonderful. Well, I didn't realize how amazing they were mm. until this episode. So, yeah. you know, I, I think the next time I see a fig tree, I will take more notice yeah. and a bit more appreciation. I, yeah. yeah. And I look forward to, to teaching other people about that. Yeah. Because mm. uh, it is an integral part of human civilization it's quite fascinating yeah I, mm. it's just mind-blowing it's basically yeah. every single culture yeah. yeah that's so cool well uh thank you again mate really good research there this week i love that and um you know all of the as i said all the recipes will be up on, on messy veggies so you'll be able to get them there uh also the show notes will be there as well we have got we're we're planning out our episodes mm-hmm. there's more interviews coming don't you worry uh and stay tuned because we have some really really good stuff coming up so thank you for everyone who's listened we really appreciate it keep jumping over to uh the instagram account and saying hello there we've got lots of people saying hi at the moment which is really cool uh, especially on the coriander stuff I feel like it was contentious, but thank you uh, for listening. Thank you for, for everything. And until next week, do yourself a favor and eat some more plants.